man-to-man, one-on-one coverage because the safety rolls to Jefferson's side. This guy's like becoming like a circus act. Like he could, <laughs> he could do, he could do this. Von Rock caught a ball with his thighs. We didn't nah, even talk about that. It was more of with his ass. If he throws a good ball, this is a running, catching touchdown untouched. Right. To become who we want to be as individuals, and at the end of the day, that's going to help us be a successful offense. Like, the KP does like these flips after every win. Now I'm like, just waiting for me to do his flips. You can tune in anywhere that you guys follow us on social media. Shout out to Jalen Ramsey. He sucks. <laughs> Welcome to the Practice Squad Podcast, episode 41. My name is John. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. Mark, do you, th- do you think we need to, like, update the clips on the, the intro reel? Like, think we, so, man. Had, I'm sick of few... hearing me doubt Jalen Ramsey every time. That, and make well, look so that, that was, I had two comments. One, we brought on some additional awesome guests, so we need to kind of add them into rotation. And second... <laughs> Those specific guests, I think, have heard that Jalen Ramsey comment yeah. and have been like, like "What?" Like, no. like, yeah, it kind of defeats some of the credibility that I have. Um, well, and and we all know um, that you don't know ball, and you correct. don't, you know what what have you done, right, Mark? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you saw my comment on one of the the shorts that you made. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, I thought I thought this guy doesn't know. ball. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, supposedly, yeah. I don't know ball. It's been that's been a common comment that's been thrown out there from some haters of the podcast. Oh, that's so good. Um, yeah, it was it was on your your Trevor Lawrence one. Uh, so that 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 I, that was a great. By the way, anybody who hasn't watched that, you know, and we're gonna get into a lot of film this episode, which I'm very excited about. Thanks, credit to Mark and Mark knowing ball. Um, but he dropped a great one on how Calvin Ridley is going to really complement um, the Jaguars offense and Trevor Lawrence, and they're probably going to be a really deadly combination next year. So if you haven't checked that one out uh, yet, it's it's like two YouTube videos behind whenever this one's going to be posting. So definitely go uh, give that a watch. But yeah, we got, we got a few, you know, uh, football topics to get into just as far as current events go. But then primarily this episode is going to actually be Mark breaking down how coverages work for defenses. And I'm excited about this because I'm probably in the same boat as a lot of other NFL fans where I love football. I watch football every single week. I have a podcast where I talk about football every single week. Me and Mark text about football every single day, multiple times a day. However, I'm not a defensive back. I played offensive line. And so whatever those you know dudes were doing downfield, I didn't really give a shit about 90% of the time. And so I really don't know a whole lot about NFL coverages or just, you know, coverages in general. And I think most football fans are in the exact same uh, boat as me. So I get to sit here and ask Mark, you know, boneheaded questions with just enough knowledge about football where, you know, hopefully he's forced to put things in layman's terms. And, uh, you know, we'll have hopefully a really productive episode with me coming out the other side of it, understanding how coverages work. So. I'm pretty stoked about that, and thank you, Mark, for uh, you know lending your brain power to uh, educating the masses on such a thing. It's it's exciting to talk about. It's coverages are getting more and more complex because offense is getting more and more complex, and you have to try to confuse these quarterbacks and receivers and give them hard looks so that because if you can create a little bit of hesitation out of a Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or Josh Allen or Peyton Manning or whoever's back there, right, and you can force them to hesitate just a little bit and second guess their reads, that's a sack right? Or that's a tipped ball or that's an interception. Um, 
it's truly a game of inches and, and just milliseconds and coverages and how you disguise them. And, you know, a lot of what people don't realize is football is an aggressive game, high violence hits, you know, just crazy athleticism all over the place, crazy speed, but it's a chess match and the coaching and My the, favorite thing even to call the, it. The, the players, um, you know, and some of these guys are so smart coaches obviously are geniuses, but some of these players, man, and we'll see kind of some clips as we get into the film breakdown of some of these guys that studied quarterbacks and recognize little tiny details. And it, it's the difference between a touchdown and interception sometimes. So it's cool to see. We'll get into that. But we do have some current events we'll cover first, and then we'll get into full film breakdown. We'll go through just about every kind of coverage there is, or at least all the main ones, um, and really get in detail. But we're excited to finally get some film breakdown in because John and I have wanted to do this for a long time. We've done shorts and clips on it, but this episode is going to have some long forum film breakdown, which there's going to be plenty more of that coming this offseason as we get ready for the next NFL season, which we are already getting close to. So I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, re- relatively speaking, and obviously, like, current events will, will get sprinkled in, but, you know, you're going to get probably a lot of film from us for the next, like, six to eight weeks. Fantasy football season kind of rolls around, doing that, you know, drafts for that, all of that good stuff, and then, you know, boom, right there, we're basically into the regular season. So as Mark said, it, it moves pretty quick from here, thankfully, because, uh, like, February up until the draft is pretty brutal. Uh, it's, it's, a, where, it's a where lot. Where art thou? Where art thou football? You know, like, I just, <laughs> it doesn't feel right. Like, like the NBA playoffs are on, and that, yeah. that league's kind of gone to shit, to be honest with you. You know, you have baseball on. No one really cares unless you're at the game drinking a beer, having a having a nice glizzy. So, you know, getting the glizzard wizard going. But I just uh, – I can't wait, man. Football, football, and, I miss it. And, and per your comment, like, I, I refer to football in my – affinity for it is it's because it's chess with like the highest class athletes that you can possibly get yeah and the part that's cool is like obviously there's like specialization in every sport but like it's also just deeply american that like a man that's 350 pounds can be an absolute premier professional athlete right i mean i can only think of like one other sport where that's the case and that's like sumo wrestling basically so and there are times (laughs) where 350 pound athletes get put on their back by an 195 pound athlete right (laughs) Right. like it's crazy like you just see some of the weirdest things but yeah i mean let's let's get into these current events dude we got a ton to talk about we we're, could we're just we gushing could... about the sport of football in general, which, you know, I mean, that's pretty on brand for us. But so yeah. first, first things first, Pat McAfee is walking away from his four year, $120 million deal with FanDuel. Um, so, you know, FanDuel is probably going to come crawling to us after that, that deal fell apart. Uh, <laughs> we're open to... for deal conversations <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> whenever, man. To go to ESPN um, for what everybody will assume will be significantly more money than you know whatever that is 30 million dollars a year we're, we're probably talking 40 50 60 million dollars a year uh for them to walk away from that deal um so that's super significant and it's interesting because like there's a lot right it's it's great for pat and the boys it's great for the show and you know we as sports media are talking about it because pat has really done something different with sports media in general to the point where he's he was very actively at odds with the person who's now, or you know, the group of people that are now paying him all that money, right? ESPN didn't want any of their analysts going on the show at any point. They had him like blacklisted. They were having, you know, ESPN analysts block him on Twitter, things like that. Then they went from that to having, to making amends, to having Pat be one of the hosts on College Game Day, to now being a full-time uh, personality on ESPN's network. And so 
uh, it's really interesting to not only kind of see them like, you know, pay their due respects for, you know, Pat and the boys and their ability to kind of cover sports content in a way that's unique that obviously resonates with people. But now it's interesting because people are concerned where it's like, oh man, you just sold your soul to Disney and now you're about to get censored. They're going to change the structure of the show, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And that's been the big debate is whether or not that's going to happen. Is this good <laughs> for the show and the unique thing that they're doing on YouTube? And that's interesting. You mentioned that part, right? And obviously, yeah, great for him and, and for that show. And it's a different kind of sports media show, right? And I, I want to credit like Barstool Sports as well for doing this kind of thing. They're making media that isn't politically correct or, you know, censored or, you know, be careful what you say, walking on eggshells constantly like ESPN and Fox and all these other all these other sports analysts, like they can't swear. They can't really state anything too strong of an opinion. They can't hate on certain players. They can't, you know, and what Pat McAfee and Barca sports and some of these other sports media, and I think it's refreshing. And even what we do, John, we say whatever the hell we want. And, you know, it's a dangerous world nowadays with everything being recorded. And it's like, okay, yeah, but it's refreshing. People would like to have open conversations where they don't have to be careful about every single, what's the next sentence? What's the next word? Like you could say whatever the hell you want. And if it's your opinion and you stand on it, you have a right to say that. And I think there's going to be people that agree, people that love it. And there's going to be people that disagree and people that hate it. And I think what Pat Mackey did a great job of is he just said what he wanted. You know, he cussed, he made it very clear that if you're in this audience, like you might, you know, and you're under the age of whatever, like you might hear some things you don't want to hear. You might hear some things you're going to love to hear, but good for him because he bet on himself and he did his own thing. And I'm sure, you know, there's so many people in the beginning that probably laughed at him. Hell, who's this punter who's going to talk oh, about football? He, he got criticized you know, like crazy for retiring early from the NFL. They're like, man, you're ruining your career. He's now making way more money yeah. than he would have ever made as an NFL. Yeah, I mean, he was just a, um, he was just a, he was a damn punter. Right. And normally, yeah. you know, a guy like Tom Brady does that, right. Like everyone kind of expects him to do well when he finishes playing, but Pat McAfee, most punters, when they retire, you never hear of them again. Right. Uh, but, you know, he <laughs> has that personality, bet on himself, and he's done a great job with the show. And it's it's inspiration to guys like you and me who come on here and we just want to talk ball and not have to worry about people saying, oh, well, you can't say shit or you can't say this. Like, we're just going to talk ball. Yeah. And, and he, he said, he affirmed, he's like, this is going to be the exact same show. The main difference that he said is we cannot say the F word nearly as much as we currently say the f word right he but said, that doesn't all, mean all zero. other words he, he well he said well on college game day a few of them slipped out and it is yeah. what it is right so so i he said all other words are fair game basically um but uh there and that's that's a federal regulation thing actually if you're on tv there's there's you can't be dropping up bombs left and right um, whatever dude i mean but, listen yeah. in the real world people say the f word you know welcome to the real world are you gonna pretend yeah. it doesn't happen <laughs> uh the government likes to yes um, yeah i mean we live in la la land <laughs> but um yeah and so like and they their whole espn announcement was basically making jokes about the fact that oh like they're gonna try to change all the you know they're like oh like aj's not a host anymore and we're like converting it to like a block format we're not gonna talk about you know like all the and then they were like not nah, we're not doing any of that so um yeah, I think uh, overall, look, I'm excited to see what happens with it. We'll we'll know very quickly on whether or not the ESPN has, you know, malicious intentions with this entire situation as far as censoring or forcing them to push certain narratives or stuff like that. So um, that deal takes place, I believe, uh, you know, and they said the fall. I assume what that means is, you know, pretty much week one of the NFL. I guess we'll see. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be interesting. Um, the next thing is, um, so look, the Lions have been in the middle of, hey, you should trade for a superstar because you're this close a few times throughout the season, whether it be a linebacker, whether it be Jalen Ramsey, you know, a couple different situations. And that's not really has ever been Brad Holmes's brand, first of all. And second of all, I think the team is built in a way that they don't really need to do that. And third, they have guys taking pay cuts to come and play for them. CJ Gardner-Johnson, Cam Sutton, uh, guys that were already on the roster that were pretty damn effective and probably could have gone elsewhere but chose to stay in Detroit because they love playing for Detroit. But now there's one name that everybody's got their eyes on, which is Quinnen Williams, who had a absolute career year um, with the Jets. And now it sounds like they are not going to come to an agreement on what his contract should look like. And he might go elsewhere. And like, you know, Lions fans talking about being like mad about the fact that we passed up on Jalen Carter, which that will segue into another conversation. Like this guy is a Jalen Carter level game changer on the interior defensive line and him wrecking havoc in the interior is going to create a hell of a lot of problems for them, you know, accounting for Aiden Hutchinson and James Houston. So it's tough because the price tag and probably a first round draft pick is a tough pill to swallow, but you're talking about a team that is trying to go deep in the playoffs or even potentially make a run at the Super Bowl this year. And that is a piece that can 100% help you get a hell of a lot closer to getting there. Um, so it's, it's a tough thing to balance. I, I want to know your opinion on it, Mark. It's the main missing point of our defense for sure. And I, you know, I was hoping we would address that earlier in the draft and we kind of waited and there were some really good players at that position we could have taken and we chose not to, but with some of the money that, like you mentioned that we have with cap space left, um, he's a franchise player and you put him in this interior, like you said, next to Hutchinson, Quinn Williams is one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league, if not the best. Um, and he's still young. A second to only Aaron Donald, maybe. And yeah. I would say he has more, you know, a longer career ahead of he's him. He's got like a he lot ahead of him, man. Yeah. He's still very young. He's proven himself already in the NFL. Um, he, he's He's been nothing but special since he's gotten to the league. And he changes our defense if we get him. And it doesn't necessarily have to be him, but a player like him. And why not him, right? He's available. He's not happy with his situation in New York. He's already changed his bio on Twitter to defensive tackle for the dot, 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 dot. Not the Jets. Like, he's pretty openly talking about the fact that he may may want to be out of New York. So the Lions haven't made a big move, a big swing in free agency um, in quite some time. I couldn't even name you the last time we went and got like a big name guy and paid him a, you know, a fat contract. So, so here's the problem is we're, he's looking for 25 ish million a year, right? Um, you know, four years of 90 million, I think is like one of the, you know, agreements that was thrown out there that, the, you know, the, the jets ended up rejecting. We have about 16, $17 million in free cap space right now. So if you're going to make that commitment this year, you probably could if you then front load the rest or, you know, load more money into the back end of the deal or something like that. So it gets a little bit hairy. I'm, I think we would really be stretching ourselves thin from a cap perspective in order to make that commitment. And again, we'd probably also lose a first round draft pick, which I'm not that worried about because if the Lions are going to be worth whatever the hell we think they're going to be worth this year. Uh, they're probably going to be picking late in the first round anyways. And we know that Brad Holmes is a stud in the later rounds, so whatever. 
it's tough. Like there's a lot of pros and cons. And then, you know, think about potentially extending Jared Goff, right? Uh, Monroe State Brown's going to be in a contract year a couple years from now, right? Like all of those other factors that get a whole lot more complicated with the situation where we got guys on our roster right now that we're probably going to want to pay. Can we make space for Quentin Williams? And and yeah. if that's the case, then the signal that I'm getting is we're going to try to make it to the Super Bowl this year. Like that's if we make that trade, I think that's I mean, the we're, I'm waiting we're for stop. that. Like I'm waiting for that, like all in move to happen. And we haven't done it yet. I mean, we had, right. we made some great free agency moves, but we didn't, we haven't made like that. Hey, this is our year. Not next, not the following year, not the following year after that. Like this is our year. We haven't made that move yet. So um, and look, maybe that's, you know, if you want to build a true juggernaut with a ton of longevity to it, you build it like Kansas city. They don't really do that. They do it to a degree, right? But like now Pat Mahomes' deal is one of the more cap-friendly deals, actually. They did let, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill walk. Like all of these other factors, right? Yeah. They let, they let uh, uh, Orlando Brown walk, right? Like, Yeah, they – I mean, you have the right quarterback. It gives you the freedom to do that kind of thing. And true. I wouldn't put Jared Goff in that same conversation. But, yeah, I mean, there's teams that have went all in, and it worked out for them. Right. So it's just kind of a different philosophy thing. I don't have any problem with what the Lions are doing and kind of building for the long term is fine with me. But sooner or later, is it worth being good and being a playoff team or is it like, do you want to win the whole damn thing? Because that's what people remember. Not 11 games, not 12 games, not, oh, we were so close. You, you, you got to win the whole damn thing to be truly remembered forever. So and that's what everybody's fighting for is the same same goal. And eventually, I think you do have to get aggressive at some point and go get an absolute game changing player. And that doesn't happen crazy often in the draft where you hit on a player like a Patrick Mahomes. So let's see what happens with free agency. Maybe not this year, but definitely next year we might have to get aggressive. Yeah. I mean, look, if we say even win a playoff game this year, that is crazy validation for what Dan and Brad have built together. Like they went from pretty much rock bottom for a franchise where we kind of were with fat Trisha era um, pretty much since the minute that dude walked in the door and in say two and a half years together, they've been, you know, able to build this into a, a winning franchise, a franchise that potentially go on a run and maybe get the first playoff win that the lions have had in decades. Like that would be very significant. And that might be the validation they're looking for to like, Oh, okay. Maybe the following off season is where we go nuts and try to beef up our defensive line and you know whatever other crazy things they might be into at the time so yeah i'm stoked um look i would be stoked if they're able to make it work i'm stoked honestly on the lines if if they can't make it work and because i trust brad holmes and i know that he's going to you know not only put us in a good position for this season but also to make sure that we're not in cap hell in the future because you've seen what that does to teams like the rams right so um that's what i have to say on it uh, transitioning from this, this you know, Quinn and Williams to the Jalen Carter situation. So some news broke recently, um, which adds a lot of validation to why Jalen Carter dropped as far as he did in the draft, is that um, the father of um, the victim. The, yeah, one of, the girl that died. I'm, I'm sorry that I, I forgot. Like she was... She was, some, she was an assistant, I think, with the with the staff at UGA. That's that's what I think as well. Again, an athletic department. She, her father, is suing uh, Georgia's athletic department because for essentially a wrongful death um, because of that incident. And 
Jalen Carter is named uh, as one of the people in the lawsuit. So it's, it's definitely a really interesting situation there. Um, and with that, one of the reasons why Jalen Carter is named is because of NIL, actually. And this is where this lawsuit situation gets really interesting is because of the fact that obviously it's not good that Jalen Carter's tied up in this and it's going to get hairy and it's probably what some every team that passed on him probably knew that this lawsuit situation was going to break and that's why they, they decided to pass on him. But then the situation with NIL is that, oh, well, Jalen Carter had a history of reckless driving and speeding tickets. And then he was gifted a car as a part of the NIL. Is it, are they liable for what happened that night because of the fact that they're gifting players who have histories of reckless driving, speeding tickets, whatever cars that, you know, eventually, you know, he was driving when that incident occurred. So this really opens up uh, an interesting like can of worms with things because of the fact that, wait, are college athletic departments now going to get sued for funding their players who then go and make reckless choices, bad decisions and things like that. It's, that it's, gets really interesting. It's very hairy. Um, and the, you know, the obviously address the, the simple fact that like, we kind of saw this, we talked about it during draft night. How the hell is this guy dra- dropping from projected number one overall guaranteed to ninth overall and several teams that had a need for that position passed on him. Um, so obviously this is the NFL, the teams, they had more information. I posted a TikTok about it saying the NFL knows something we don't because there's no way this dude dropped this far just because he had some character questions. Like they knew more than we knew. Obviously that's why he fell. Um, and this lawsuit coming out is pretty clearly the reason. But when you look at the NIL factor, I think that's the most interesting part of this lawsuit um, because the NIL is so new. And it's so unregulated. I mean, it's just wide open. There's no rules. There's nothing you can't do. So the question is, John, I mean, some of these guys are getting millions of dollars. If they choose to go buy themselves a car, are you liable now? Uh, or because you gave them the car directly? Like, you know, and I don't know. What, what if you give someone money goes, to go buy a right? gun? What if they go right. buy a gun? And, or what if they, you know, so there's all as, kinds of things. As far as like things. law goes, this is uncharted territory. It's there's uncharted no territory. legal precedent that shows, you know, what the right yeah. decision is on this. And, so it's going to be interesting. And, in, in and let's be perfectly clear and honest. You give someone who doesn't have any money as an 18 year old kid, um, millions of dollars and they're 18, 19, 20 years old, and they have clout and fame and people want their autographs and all this stuff. How many of those kids are mature enough to make the proper decisions financially? And not buy a gun, and not buy a sports car, and not go to the strip club, and not do this, and not like, and all uh, that leads to bad decisions. I mean, when you're 18 and have millions of dollars, like, look at look at famous singers that have you know overdosed or like because they just have all this fame and money handed to them at a young age, and they don't know what the hell to do. They're not ready, mature. They're not mature enough to handle that. So So now we're doing that with athletes who have a lot of fame and clout, and now you have money into that situation before they've grown up. I mean, even NFL players that get drafted ruin their careers. And, and, and NBA yeah. and NBA guys that they get all this money that they they don't know how to use it, and they surround themselves with the wrong people. All of a sudden, the money's gone, and they use it on dumb things, and they put themselves in bad situations. And people are just they're you know they just want to take advantage of you because you have all this money, and you know you don't know any better, right? Um, that can get you in some really not good situations. And obviously, Jalen Carter. Um, whether it was direct and whether you agree with this lawsuit and think it's rightful or you disagree, 
he was in a situation that maybe he wouldn't have been in had that car not been gifted to him. And he probably wouldn't have had that car without NIL. So, right. And that's, that's what I was going to get at is like, I, I just, you know, when I, I'm a pretty mature individual, I kind of always have been like a little bit more of an old soul, but I remember my first semester at college and I'm sure you have a similar story to share where like, I did not understand how quickly you can blow through money and all the savings that I had through the summer were completely gone by Christmas time, basically. And I was like, ah, shit, like I got to get a job and kind of figure out how to manage my money better. So then you take that and you put that on steroids and you're now giving these kids, like you said, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, more than they could possibly know what to do with, more than most people know what to do with. And you're asking them to behave responsibly, behave responsibly, act responsibly with that money. It's it's a (laughs) slippery slope, man. It's a slippery slope for sure. Um, And like you said, not many 18 year olds are as mature as, you know, you were at that time. But even you, John, if you were handed $2 million as an 18 year old kid and you're like, hey, Mark, let's go like buy a sports sports car and like, like, I'll buy you one too. And we'll go for like, you know, it depends who you surround yourself with. If I was an idiot, I'd be like, yeah, dude, like we should totally go do that. All of a sudden you and I are in a bad situation. You know, like it's just it's tough for any young person. Um, And obviously it's great for them to get all this money and whatnot. And I support the NIL, but no regulations to it. No rules to it is. They went from zero to a hundred. It was no, it was no turn up. It was no, let's put some guardrails on this. And the problem is, is it's going to be very hard to backtrack because dude, it's like, I mean, it's like a flood dude. Like, I mean, if there was a crack and there's a little bit of water coming through, you have time to kind of prepare. Like, what do we do? But when the whole floodgates are open and it's just like, everything's you know like what are you gonna do i mean the, the city's drowned already everyone's dead like what do you want to it's too late <laughs> yeah so, so su- super wild situation um with all of that and I, like i said i think i'm in the same boat as you i think it's better that nil exists for athletes than not because these college institutions are making millions and millions of dollars off of these kids yeah they're providing them a, a free education or whatever but that doesn't whatever, even work dude. out yeah the exactly the ncaa the ncaa you're, has, you're treated you're so treated like money. a number exactly you are a number totally you're treated you're, you're treated like a number, number. that generates yeah. money for them and yeah. so i think it's great that finally like athletes can i don't know like sign an autograph to a kid and not get worried about like getting suspended because shit like that yeah. literally did happen but i also think that there are consequences to completely opening the floodgate so look Maybe there is some regulation that comes of it. Maybe, you know, athletic departments set up their own rules to try to like gate this situation a little bit, but I don't know how the hell you go. Like you said, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you, uh, I mean, how do you even monitor it? I mean, they don't have the, they don't have the manpower to monitor every school's spending and boosters and indirect money. And like, Oh, you know, oops, I dropped a million dollars over there. Like, you know, like how do you monitor it? It's, it's, it's very challenging. They couldn't even catch Cam Newton when he was doing it, when it was illegal at Auburn. I mean, he collected right. like six hundred thousand dollars from Auburn. It's right. like a known thing, and they could There's, never uh, prove that he did. Who was because it? Because I think few, it was. It was. A they paid like his ago. dad, so it was like indirect, yeah. right? They paid right. his father and stuff, and so whatever, dude. Like you can't, and he never was caught. Like it was never proven that he accepted there, six hundred grand. That's so nuts. There was a one a few years ago where it was a wide receiver or a corner I was wearing a Rolex during the game. Literally had oh, yeah, ice on his wrist. Thomas, that's Thomas who- <laughs> from Oregon was wearing it. Yeah, during the bowl game, and it's like, uh, where did that come from? It's like I don't know, found on the ground. Like, it, it, but that's been happening. That was before nil. So, right. so knows, yeah, man. you can't you can't reel it in at this point. Um, all right, so, uh, we have 
like upwards of 15 Twitter tabs to go through. And Mark basically coverage by coverage is going to explain how coverages work. And I'm going to sit here and ask a bunch of dumbass questions. And hopefully that allows him to explain it simply enough where anybody can keep up. Um, because like I said, this is definitely um, a new experience for me. And I've been watching football literally my entire life. So I'm excited about it. So and, what, we're gonna... and one thing I'll say too, John, is whether you whether you understand this uh, like I do or you don't and you're a fan of football or you know nothing about football whatsoever, uh, I'll start pretty basic with every single one of these coverages. And I'll go through like I think there's six or seven main coverages that most teams will play. You'll see some crazy stuff, but I'm not going to go into the too crazy stuff in this episode. Um, but I'll start very simple with what it means, with what it is. And I will give, if you already understand what I'm saying, and this is like, oh, I don't want to listen to him talk about stuff I already know. I will talk about some more in-depth stuff as well, because as you build your knowledge, you'll understand where I'm going with each coverage and, you know, where are the weak spots of it, why it's good, why some teams do it, why, you know, why some teams can expose it. And I'll kind of get into all of that. So with each coverage, you'll get the basic understanding of what it is, but you'll also get more in-depth breakdown as to why teams do it, what's good against it. And that kind of thing. So everyone should um, gain something out of it. And I think this will be this will be cool. This will be fun to go over. All right. So to start off, Mark, what am I looking at currently? So what you're looking at here, this is man to man. Okay. So man to man, you're going to see cover one and cover zero. Now cover one is the first one we'll show here. Cover one simply means you're going to play man-to-man with one free safety up at the top. So the guy circled, if you're watching this on YouTube, there's one guy standing in the middle of the field about 20 yards back with a huge vision of everything, right? He's overseeing everything in front of him. He's reading quarterback's eyes. He's the one, okay? He's the free player and man-free. A lot of people call this dog. Um, there's a lot of different nicknames, slang words around. Coaches will use all kinds of different words. But dog, so, cover just, one, man, the- it's all the same. To back up for a second, man is literally saying that the corner defensive back is running directly with the right wide receiver. He has a wide with, receiver with he is guy responsible. he's responsible for. Yep. Yes. So and, just like in basketball terms, like you're responsible for your guy, he's your guy. So wherever he goes, you go. Um, very simple. Uh, probably one of the easier things to explain in terms of coverage. You have him and you have him. And if he beats you, not good. Like that's the dummy for that's football one-on-one dummy. Like that's right. what man to man is now where it gets complex um, is, you know, kind of where teams are going to try to attack it and expose you. And obviously it's very hard to play man to man because the receivers are so damn quick and so fast and, and you're expecting your corners so to smart. To keep up. Yeah. Right. This is now, it this used to be what like everyone would play and you would just put Deion Sanders out there and just be like, Hey, go take Jerry Rice out of the game completely. Hey, Jalen Ramsey, go, go make sure that Justin Jefferson doesn't have a catch today. And that's what they would do. But now receivers have gotten so good and the quarterbacks have gotten so efficient that this is hard to play. Like this is, you're not going to see teams play only cover one anymore. You have to throw some zone stuff in there, which allows the defense to kind of be a little more conservative um, and a little more safe, right? Like you don't feel like at any point someone can score on you. Um, So if we go, if you want to show, we can go to the next thing here. Um, And this, and then this clip too, it just shows like there's arrows and stuff, but if you're not watching, it's it's yeah. uh, well and so this just, is a simple this is a more simple way to look at it this graphic uh but basically this just shows like the corner the the uh strong safety the other corner they're responsible for their guys that's where the lines are showing and then there's a free safety over the top uh that's just responsible for anything nothing basically your job is a free safety nothing gets behind you nothing gets sure. behind you nobody beats you deep and just a quick question so obviously 
like the strong safety while he's technically, you know, a safety, like right. his situation here is covering as if he's a cornerback, right? Like, correct. That's, yeah. Okay. So he's, he's covering like a slot look, right? So safeties uh, for the most part will be known for covering tight ends or slots, mm-hmm. um, which are the inside receivers. And then on the X, the outside, you have like wide outs or like wide receivers. Um, those kind of guys look like T Higgins, you know, longer, usually um, maybe some more speed on the outside sometimes, but like, that's corners like Jalen Ramsey can kind of do both. He's one of those weird guys that can come in and play the inside slot. He'll also stay out wide, but like, yeah, so that's kind of what you're, that's a good question, but yeah, the safeties will typically guard the inside guys. Okay. And then the cornerbacks usually skinnier, like sauce Gardner, he's almost exclusively guarding outside guys. Sure. Um, in today's football, it's kind of changing where you just, you can, maybe you follow guys around. Like there's some games like Jair Alexander for the Packers this year, follow Jefferson everywhere. So if Jefferson lined up in the slot, that's where Alexander went. If he was out wide, that's where Alexander went. And so um, there's different ways to do it. But the standard cover one is, yeah, corners will guard wide, safeties will guard. And then one more question before we move on. Um, The the Will linebacker is now, especially in the NFL, is more and more frequently substituted for what's referred to as a nickel quarter. Nickel, right? yeah. And – that's literally so that your linebackers are not getting put out in coverage right. against guys. Exactly. Right? So, exactly. So you're, a lot of times you'll take out a big, beefy, strong linebacker who doesn't run as well, and you'll put in a smaller guy who can cover better. And that just kind of depends on down and distance. If you think a team's going to throw, why would you keep uh, an extra linebacker on the field when you can put a more speedy guy who can actually, you know, stay with a slot receiver or a tight end? Sure. Um, but yeah, and a lot of times too, uh, you'll see this, this free safety, the single high guy cheat towards like, you know, if Tyree kills on the right side of the field, chances are that safety is going to cheat that way. Right. Um, and that just makes it tougher for the backside guys and it makes, you know, their job harder, but obviously teams have preferences of who they want to get the ball to. And a lot of time you'll see defenses shift that way in the secondary to try to free safety might favor the guy that's most likely to (laughs) beat the corner over top. Like, you know, exactly makes sense. Sure. Okay. Exactly. So then I think next, Oh, so if you we want to explain this and no. stuff too. Yeah. We'll so this is the best. If you're trying to learn like the best example of cover one being played well is the Baltimore Ravens and what they used to do with Ed Reed. I think Ed Reed's the best free safety of all time. He's ever played the game. And if this doesn't kind of show you the respect, I mean, this is the best player of all time, Tom Brady and on his wristband on his play wristband, uh, it says find 20 on every play. In bold, he wrote that himself on his wristband to remind him. Now, every play he's looking down there, reading the plays in the huddle, beneath that he sees find 20 on every play. 20 is Ed Reed, number 20. So that just tells you the kind of effect that Ed Reed had on quarterbacks, even the best ever. And then this video, we'll, we'll turn the audio all the way up and I'll shut up and my monotone voice will stop for about two minutes. This is Ed Reed with sitting at his, like, this is like they're doing like a Hall of Fame conversation. I think this is one of the coolest clips of all time. This is with Bill Belichick giving respect. Deion Sanders is one of the best man-to-man players of all time right next to him. And this is just them talking about one play that Ed Reed made against Peyton Manning. And I'll just shut up and let it play and, and you'll kind of see I what I'm talking that. about. Peyton Manning, I'll guarantee you knew where Ed Reed was and it had to fool him that he got all the way there. You knew that Peyton knew yeah. what you would do. Yeah. And so you did the opposite of what he had been studying. And he said it's the first time in his career that somebody, he made a career out of 
thinking what you're thinking and doing the opposite. It's the first time somebody thought what he was thinking back at him, and you got him back again. Yeah. And he was still the next week just could not believe it had happened. One of the greatest plays I've ever seen in the NFL. Peyton, that particular play, studying that week, he pumps that way, he throws that way. So if you look at the play, you'll see Peyton actually pump that way first. And then he looked back. And when he looked, he looked at me. And I look like I'm going middle. But I know when he pumps, he's going back. That's why it happened that way. You know, so I was just studying him throughout the week. I was like, oh, this is a gimme. If he pumps, I'm just going to open up, make it look like I'm going middle. But meanwhile, I'm turning the whole time. It was like a punt. Like Coach said, I was there before Reg. One of the, one of the best plays. I yeah, that's so you know, that I'm yeah. seeing this for the first time right now. And I'm like, man, because again, like Peyton Manning, Sheriff, like this dude is known for being the best decision maker at the quarterback position in his generation, like bar none mm -hmm. to essentially fake him out and then know when he's going to try to fake you out to get you to react. You don't bite and then you come back for that interception. It's, it's absolute next level at football IQ and, and film prep throughout the week. I mean, like you said, right. So in this play to build off our cover one conversation, it's the best example I could find of showing you what cover one looks like when you execute it. And it's hard as hell to execute it. And it takes a Hall of Fame player like Ed Reed, truly the best ever at that spot, to do shit like this, right? Where he's going towards the middle of the field. He turns his hips like he's going to go left. And he's watching his eyes are reading Peyton Manning. And when he pumps, most of the time when quarterbacks pump, they go the other way of their pump. So they pump left and they're going to throw right. But Ed Reed studied on film and saw that because Peyton Manning's the sheriff, he'll pump and then he'll throw the same way he pumps just to throw you off. And Ed Reed saw that. And he's like, screw you. I'm going to go. I'm going to make you think that I fell for it. I'm going to bait you to throw it. And I'm going to beat you to the spot. So he actually beats the receiver, Reggie Wayne, to the ball here. And yeah, he like you said, it's like catching a punt. That's how easy it is because he positioned himself so well. And he just outsmarted one of the smartest players we've ever seen play the game. But that's the chess match that's constantly happening between players and then the scheme itself is coaches. Like, this was just simple cover one. And Ed Reed made a, like Belichick said, and how many times have you seen Belichick openly, like, compliment people? Very yeah. rarely. Yeah. Um, very you know that that respect is real. And, I, yeah, I just think that's one of the coolest plays. And this is just a great example of a cover one safety, a free safety making a great play. And if you notice in the footage, everyone underneath them are just responsible for their guy. Like, their eyes are just on their guy. Yeah, we can probably run that back without sound real quick so that you can see as this play develops. There's that. So if you see corner wide out, they're all responsible for their guy. The, and Ed these has two the come freedom on to go. Yeah, Ed has the freedom to go wherever he wants. Man free. Right. So and, man and he, he beat his free. corner, right? So yeah, he's probably he thinking, oh, shit, this is yeah, about man. to be a touchdown. And then all of a sudden, the free safety. And that's what, that, and that's what I ball. talked about earlier, John. The difference between a touchdown and interception is that, I'm telling you, it's that. Like, if Ed Reed was a hair late getting there, touchdown. Peyton yeah. Manning throws this ball a little bit better, and Reggie Wayne is a little bit wider, and Ed Reed can't get there, touchdown. But right. because it's a little bit more inside and Ed Reed was able to get there with an outstanding speed turn, um, that's the difference. Now, so that's the that's the that's the benefit of cover one, right? Um, it allows you to blitz a lot because you have man to man. And if you can get your hands on and press these guys and reroute guys, um, it can disrupt the timing of routes and combinations. But and it gives you a free safety who can make plays like Ed Reed does, and he can just right. go wherever he wants to. It's very hard for quarterbacks at times. Just, again, I'm an offensive lineman, so, you know, like, I'm going to 
make an assumption here and you tell me and whether or not I'm, I'm thinking correctly. I assume that this also kind of puts some gray area as to the middle of the field, right? I look at how these guys are lined up in some of these and I feel like, yeah. okay, like, like what, if you're trying to beat your guy and mm-hmm. you're say a slot receiver, right? Like my, my first impulse is these linebackers are probably going to, you know, try to crash here. And then that opens up the middle of the field for you to try to Correct. like run a route over here and, and get yourself open. Is that something that people will try to combat cover one with a lot is, is running routes into the middle of the exactly. field. Exactly. You led me exactly into, what I wanted to talk about next, which is the weaknesses of cover one. Right. Okay. So we just show the strength, right. And that clip I'd read clip. That's the strength is you have a free safety that can make plays like that. And you can be very aggressive. The weakness is you're playing man-to-man against very talented receivers. And a lot of the time, like John mentioned, you are blitzing inside to try to get heat on the quarterback so that he has to force a a throw faster than he wants to and so that the routes don't fully develop. And basically, you're trying to prevent guys from getting open. A lot of the time, what happens, though, is these guys are so good and coaching has gotten so good in terms of offensive scheme that they're designing plays that make it very difficult for guys to protect their inside. Now, the number one rule that every coach I ever had on the defensive side of the ball will say is protect your inside and man to man do not get beat across your face inside because you do not have help in there. The free safety is 20 yards deep and he is responsible for literally the entire deep field. He has no help. He is the help. So if you get beat inside, especially on a quick slant, you're screwed because the linebackers are probably gone blitzing and not to mention in man to man, the linebackers will be responsible for the running back. If he leaves the backfield and runs a route like Jameer Gibbs and Christian McCaffrey do so well. So here in this clip, John, as you, I, without even watching this clip, asked a question, which. um, Well, I opened this up and I saw. You opened this up. And this this is what, what do they call this, this bunch of, of three receivers? This is is just trips. Okay. And they're close together. They're close together. Now notice something, John, of Ohio state against Tulsa here in this video. Now, if you're listening to the audio, I'll try to describe this as best I can, but this is an episode probably best to watch on YouTube. But there's three receivers close together. Now, notice what do you notice about the Ohio State guys? You notice how they're they're at levels, how they're yeah, not. I was I was gonna say so. This guy, who's I assume covering the, the middle receiver here, is the closest, and then they kind of stack on top of each other, creating a little bit more yeah. distance. So why do you think, John, that they would not be all even in the same? So because I well one because of the fact that that would turn into you know kind of a cluster, but second because this guy who the guy that's the furthest back is responsible for is your, your fastest wide receiver, right? He's the guy that's probably to to the top off here. So he's lined up off of him to try to absorb that route as it comes to him and, and be able to actually have a little bit more space to work with to cover him. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what, that's one of the reasons. And like you said, the cluster is actually the main reason the cluster is, and as you'll see in this play, uh, one of the, da- one of the main downfalls of man to man is getting picked. Okay, and you're not technically allowed to do this. It is a loosely called penalty in the NFL and college and high school. Um, But basically, receivers will run routes to help each other get open, especially against man to man. So think about like in basketball when someone sets a screen and then you run off the screen, catch the ball and shoot like Steph Curry does so well in in, in football. As you as you let this one play, the receivers are actually going to just run these routes and purposely get in the way of someone else to allow for his buddy, his teammate to come open. So this and, this t- this slot receiver pretty much crosses over his guy towards the outside, so that they're I don't know which receiver you would call the in the it's middle. The other slot, yeah. So there's right, the other, other slot, slot receiver over on the right crosses yeah. inside towards the middle of the field, 
and his guy can't go and and keep with him because the other slot receiver is now directly in his face and in his way. And yeah. a lot of times, so as long as you don't like intentionally do this and like put your hands on them, they won't call this. So, John, if you go back to the beginning of this clip again and pause it like <clears throat> right as they start running their routes. Yeah, I think I can slow this down even more too. Yeah, 0.25. Let's go. With so the running back to here, if you notice, goes into the flat, which takes the linebacker from the middle it of the field. Makes the linebackers and go chase. and try to, right? Yep. So now the middle of the field is wide open because the safety's high and he's trying to get he's trying to get deep to protect his ass. And the underneath route runs wide open because of this little pick play. And this is a 30-yard touchdown against Ohio State, simply off of play design. And that's yeah. part of the chess match, again, is recognizing that at that yardage um, from, you know, at that yard mark going into score, a lot of the time Ohio State will play cover one. And so what plays work against cover one? What can we design? What can we practice all week and communicate to our players um, to help us be in the best situation to win. It doesn't always take the, like on that play, Ohio State's more talented at every single roster spot than Tulsa. But Tulsa scored because Ohio State got out-schemed, right? And that happens, you know, and anything. And then the other weakness before we play this clip in cover one, obviously, like John said, the middle of the field, um, but the seams, okay? So if you guys understand, and I can try to, you know, we can't, I want to work on, and John will work on this with me and try to draw on here, um, but up the hashes, okay, so if you think of a football field, up the hashes, the tight end in the slot, that single high safety, he's in the middle of the field, right? So if you're watching the middle of the field, that's a lot of space to cover from sideline to sideline. So the weakness is if you run four verticals, which means everybody runs deep and gets width as they go deep down the field on go routes, that safety can only pick one half of the field to cheat towards. And a lot of the time the, the ball will be placed on a hash. So you have more room down here on the bottom of the screen here where there's a lot of space and that safety is responsible for the entire deep field. So if any of these guys playing man to man underneath get beat vertically by even a step and the quarterback throws a good ball, you're looking at a touchdown. So the seams and the, and the outside of the numbers on go routes, when you run four verticals are difficult to go are difficult to cover against cover one. Um, so John, if you play this clip, you'll kind of see this is, <clears throat> this is Florida doing this. Now they use motion here to just kind of influence. Again, a lot of teams will use motion because it creates challenges for defenses. Like, do you chase him? Notice he's chasing him all the way across the field here. And now he's trying to get set. Like that's hard to do. Follow somebody, then get set then cover them. Then they switch. Well, and this, this receiver pretty much picks him too. On and the way picks out, him, on right? so it's, yeah, exactly. So face. again, it's it's really hard, right? And so look at notice where the single high safety is. He's over in the yeah. middle of the field on the other hash. He can't. Uh, he can't so let's take... let's follow him here this time around, right? He's backing yeah. up. He's look back where his, up. Eyes, his are. eyes are this side of the field. Yeah. And then oh shit! Oh, that's it's way too far away for me to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's that's uh, one of the things that you know, and that's a hard that's a hard completion to make sometimes because that is a hard throw. But if you get good at doing that, it it's a cover one beater. And it's very challenging. Notice the key thing too there was the motion made that really difficult for that defender um, to follow him around. So as we get into cover zero, which well, at first, do you have any questions with cover one? I guess my biggest question, um, and and feel free to add this onto any other coverages, is you know at what point is you know cover one favored as far as a set of downs? Right? Is it more of a, a first second down thing because you're less likely to pass? And you can just kind of let your linebackers do their job. You got a free safety if you need it. 
or, you know, does it kind of depend? And how often is this ran in the NFL, right? Because as you said, wide receivers are so freaking good now. This, to me, first impression is a huge liability. Yeah, um, this has actually run a decent amount in the NFL. It's more not necessarily of down and distance. I mean, it is down and distance, and you would probably see this more on like, you'll see this on like third down and very short, trying to not allow any, you know, no quick receptions, try to get hands on. Anytime you want to blitz, you you might do this to try to um, make it so the quarterback doesn't have anyone to throw to right away. So he's got to really read the defense. And by the time he's ready to throw it, hopefully there's someone hitting him and tackling him. And then you'll see this a lot down in like the red zone or where teams are about to score, like on the goal line, because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to give them any wiggle room. So you'll get in their face, press them and just say, all right, we're just going to like man to man and make this extremely difficult for you to get open because the less space there is for the offense to work, the better cover one is, or the better man to man is now here. You just pulled up cover zero, which that question leads me into cover zero really well because cover zero is man to man with zero help over the top. There is no free safety. The free safety is now in the box, probably blitzing, probably, you know, picking up on running back or whatever. But that that single high safety, that Ed Reed guy that's up in the middle of the field, that's very easy to see if you're watching the game. He's not up there. You got no help behind you. So you're probably bringing pressure. Right. I was about to say, like, this is like a bring the house situation where it's like, we're not trying to cover people. We're trying to murder the quarterback before he can do anything, basically. Yeah. So this is often called Dion. Um, In like football slang, it's often called Dion or zero, cover zero. You have your four defensive backs responsible for the four receivers slash tight ends slash slots. And it's me against you, our guys against your guys. No help over the top. And let's go. And a lot of times you'll see this, like I said, down the goal line, red zone, third and short, or if you're bringing the house. Um, and a lot, and, and keep in mind too, and I, and I should mention this early on, as we'll see more coverages, teams like sometimes it's very easy if you're watching the game, like, oh, that's cover one. Uh, a lot of times it's not that easy. A lot of times they'll line up, make it look exactly like cover one. And then right when the ball is snapped, someone flies back into the secondary and now it's cover two or now it's you know now it's zero the safety comes flying blitzing like troy palomalo used to do and ed reed used to do all the time he blitz from like 20 yards deep and by the time the ball is snapped he's in peyton manning's face like it's you know and quarterbacks are looking they're reading um but yeah in today's game the chess match that's always happening is making a quarterback think it's cover zero cover one and all of a sudden it's not or vice versa right so a lot of times you'll see defenses disguise in the secondary what's happening, except it's it's hard to do that at times because, you know, there's a lot of ground to cover. And if you get out of position because you're trying to move too late in the snap, like you can get beat because of that as well. So it gets tricky. Um, but that's part of the chess match. So that yeah, this so- is cover zero. <clears throat> and as one of the clips, and I broke this down actually after the Super Bowl, and we can mute myself on, on the uh, – because just so there's not double me, that would be hell. Um, but in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs scored twice on that same play, right? And I broke this film down. It's on our TikToks, on our shorts. If you want to check it out, and it was the same exact play. <clears throat> they were playing man coverage. Now, down in the like, notice how close they are to the end zone, right? They're on the five yard line here, I believe. This is an option to combat when people motion, right? Like I said in the Florida clip, teams will motion a lot to make it harder on on you if you're playing man to man, and not to mention. John, if you motion and no one follows you, what does that tell the quarterback? Probably not man-to-man, right? Like, it makes it easy for the quarterback to – it makes it harder for the defense to lie to you. Right. So if there's motion or there's a shift and no one follows, teams in, the other team's in zone. 
And that automatically flips a switch in the quarterback's head. Okay, I'm now I'm thinking zone. So I'm going to go through my zone progression. If motion happens and they're following him, quarterback knows man-to-man. Receiver right. knows man-to-man. And now is the brain is working differently, right? Coaches are thinking differently. So in this clip. So he's trying to call a, a knock here. A knock, yes. So knock here, John, you want to explain that what the knock is? That's that's essentially saying, hey, like this isn't my guy anymore. Somebody else has to pick him up, right? Exactly. So, so in this example, it, your whole player, which is uh, cover zero, not really. It's more of a cover one thing, but he's not really like a free safety. He's more of like an extra tackler because you're so close to the end zone to help with run support and just help with like crossing routes inside. So it's a very it's a variation of cover one, but it's more like cover zero. It's basically just like man to man. But if there's motion across the formation, what they'll do is they'll yell knock, 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 or you, you, you. And basically the guy who's in the hole will take that guy across the formation. Now is his guy. And the guy who originally was on that receiver will go to the hole and will be added run support or added support against slants or quick, you know, inside routes. So here he's yelling knock, 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 because the Chiefs saw on film the Eagles would do this down in the red zone. But instead of crossing the formation, Kadarius Tony actually, when the ball snapped, comes right back to where he was. And Darius Slade didn't even notice. Until, I was about to say, and, and Slade should have right? totally just noticed was, and picked that up. Yeah. Right, but it's tough because he's already yelling knock because he's, right. you know, they're coached to, if they do this down here, uh, you know, chase him all the way across or knock. And so he was thinking knock because he was already outflanked and Kadarius Tony's very fast. And if Kadarius Tony did cross all the way and then did just an out route and no one knocked, he'd be wide open too. So it's hard. It's like pick your poison. Right. Um, so that's one of the downfalls to uh, man-to-man as well. So that just kind of shows you that. And that's just an option for and switching, in, I guess. In that situation, right, like what really is the best uh, approach for a defense if like they're using motion to not only bait you to show whether or not you're you're in man or zone, but also bait you when you're trying to, you know, use like man properly and knock people so that they can actually cut. like, what as a defense do you do in that situation? It's What's the hard, best practice? Man. I, I would say probably play zone where the motion doesn't affect you as much, but you play zone. It's harder too, because then it's like, now we can just run concepts that attack those zone areas. And we have a pretty good feeling that you'll be open without even having to do a whole lot. Um, not to mention, you know, you're worried about teams running the ball down there. So that's probably why you're in that man-to-man look where you just want to commit four guys to the receivers and let everyone else commit to the run. It is an ongoing chess battle. And especially the closer you get to the end zone, the harder it is to score, right? Because you're committing more people to the run. But teams have gotten so creative. That's why you see so many teams throw close to the end zone nowadays. I mean, you see teams sometimes first down, second down, third down, inside the five-yard line, all three downs, they're throwing. Because... Why not, right? If you're committing all these guys to the run, you got seven guys playing the run and only four playing the pass. I'm going to bet on one of these crazy good receivers I have on my roster to beat your guy with a double move or good right. release or a tall or motion. Tight end or whatever. <laughs> right, or a jump ball. Um, and so that is an ongoing challenge. And uh, it's, a, it's a coaching philosophy. And if you have Jalen Ramsey on the other t- team, you know, you like to play it. And if you don't and you have Travis Kelsey or you have, um, you know, Jeff, Justin Jefferson or someone like that on the offensive side, you dream that somebody plays man to man. Um, and so that's, that's pretty much cover one and cover zero in a nutshell okay. with some in-depth film breakdown. So then moving to cover two, that, that strong safety that was previously 
going man with somebody is now dropped back to where the free safety is. And they're essentially splitting the field in half, which is why it's covered too. There's now two yep. safeties taking that role so that you don't get in those, those traps where they start favoring one side of the field, but they start favoring a certain hash or whatever. And it just keeps the entire other side of the field open for them. Yep. So think of it like this cover one, there's one guy deep and he's responsible right. for the whole deep field cover two. Now we're in zone. And there's two guys deep and they're responsible for half of the field each deep half of the field each. Right. And so cover two, basically broken up there. You got your two guys deep. They're responsible for deep half of the field. And you have two guys, your corners typically that are down playing aggressive, taking away anything quick game on the outside. And they're responsible for the shallow short halves of the field. Okay. Closer to closer to the line of scrimmage. Now there's very, a bunch of variations of cover two. And then this drawing actually kind of shows the weaknesses of cover two. So I'll, I'll actually, or I'll kind of go over this a little bit real quick before we switch to a different image here, but cover two pretty much where you want to attack. If you're an offense is the seams similar to cover one, the seams, right? Where those safeties, if they squeeze the seams up the hash, then who's guarding the deep outside towards the sideline. Right. And you have to, what they call that throw, John, if the safety stays on the seam, right? And a lot of the time they will, because that's where they start. If they stay on the seam, they'll call this a hole shot, which is basically a, a go ball that isn't doesn't have a lot of air under it. You're throwing that thing like on a line, okay, towards the sideline, away from where that safety can get there. And they call that a hole shot. And that's what will beat cover two at times. Or if the safeties take away the hole shots, you hit them right in the seams, just like we saw Florida do in that clip against cover one. Um, it's kind of similar in terms of where the defense is weakest. Notice what else is weak here, John. Um, and, and this is a big difference for, you know, just understanding offensive passing attack in this clip, there's two high safeties, right? Yeah. And in cover one, there's one, right? Right. So the middle of the field here, because there's two safeties is open. So they call this MOF middle of field open. Right. Right. And when it's closed when it's closed that's like cover one and cover three because there's only one safety in those but when there's two and like cover four and cover two that's middle of the field open so a lot of teams will you know and i'll show you we'll show you a clip of it too as we move forward here but this um this next clip will actually show exactly what i'm talking about so this is this is Ole miss okay lane kiffin very very smart offensive mind now if we before we even press play you'll notice they condensed the formation here I was going to say, this feels a lot more of like a, a loaded box, like middle of the field, just ba- just exactly. looking at it, like a- everybody's a lot tighter than, than that, uh, that Tulsa example. for Exactly. Know. And so, and, and as the offense is looking at this, this looks like cover four. It looks like cover zero. There's two safeties and it looks like maybe they're playing man to man. We don't know. Right. Um, but because of film study, Ole Miss had a pretty good idea they'd be in cover two here. And the good thing is some of these routes work against several coverages, right? And usually you'll you'll call a pass play based on whether or not the safeties are middle of the field open or middle of the field closed. So what you'll see here is on one side of the ball, the receivers will run a corner route to take that safety further to the sideline. And on the other side, they'll run a post and cross the safety's face and attack the middle of the field. Basically, you're trying to get the two high safeties to go opposite of each other Okay, to create as much space in the middle of the field as you possibly possibly can. This is exactly what they successfully did there. Got <laughs> Which it. Which is exactly what they successfully did here. And you have a guy attack the middle of the field. Notice how much room there is to yeah, work. Holy crap. And that is the weakness of cover two, is the middle Got of the field 
right? And and it's tough because the quarterback is reading where that safety goes. If the safety stayed in the middle of the, middle of the field, he would have thrown the corner, right? Um, because the corner backs are up close to the line of scrimmage, taking away hitches and, and quick slants and stuff like that. Um, so this is a really good play against cover two. And this is the weakness of cover two. Now cover two, similar to like man to man, allows you to have more guys in the box. You can commit to the run. Cornerbacks can be more aggressive uh, coming up to tackle because their eyes are typically on the quarterback and not on their man. Uh, they have a bigger, they have more range of vision. They can actually see what's happening in the backfield a lot of the time. And one thing that corners can do a lot in cover two is they make it look like they're going to bail out and, and cover deep. Like John, like you mentioned, they might start like it's, you know, 10 yards off, make it look like it's man to man. Oh, I'm scared that Tyreek Hill is going to run behind me. And then pre-snap, he'll come up like you see here at the bottom of screen number five doing come up. And if they run an out route or uh, a quick hitch, they can actually jump those. And that's a lot of I got I got to ask, like, what is this corner doing here? Like, he seems like he has no clue what his responsibility is. But maybe I'm just like misinterpreting. Like, I'm just seeing where his head's at. Like, I'm like, okay, if he's technically responsible for this guy, he just runs right past him. Like, but maybe maybe I'm reading it wrong. Yeah, so that's the thing, John. He's not responsible for that guy. He's responsible for the area he's in. So that's why he's not, you know, now what he could do to help himself out. And see, notice what he's doing. He doesn't have an immediate threat. So if you pause it right here, John, can you? So number five here at the bottom of the screen, this guy that you had questions about, he's doing his job, actually. He's responsible for the short side half of that field. Okay, so like a 30-yard line in. He's responsible for that. So this running back that ran a little bubble route here at the bottom of the screen. Got it. And so that's what he's waiting for is for him too. Got it. Yes. But because he has two guys in his zone technically, and this guy ran a corner behind him, he's got to, he's supposed to split the difference. Um, The problem is, is Ole Miss does such a good job executing the distance between those two guys. Okay. If you want to, if you want to like, just put your mouse over the, this receiver on the 40 yard line. And then the receiver down here on the 20 yard line, the running back, he's responsible for both those guys. Got so it. he's got to try to split the difference. Um, and this is, it's just really, really hard, right? And cover two, and this is just a perfect play call against well, it. And so ideally then, let's say the quarterback does go for this guy. You have mm-hmm. the safety there that's there to crash down. So it's not right. the end of the world. But to and me, it's like, okay, if you if you fake, you know, this situation properly, then the running back is like, I mean, yeah. let's, let's say, it, and again, this is just my interpretation of it. Let's say they do go running back here. I mean, like he could probably get a first down off of this potentially. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so. and that's just because of the spacing and design of play. Now, a lot of times that corner will be super aggressive towards short stuff, like that bubble that the running back ran. He'll be closer to that, and then there's more room to make that throw to to the corner route. <clears throat> um, but and what you'll see a lot of times in cover two, John, is corners jumping routes. Like anytime you see a you know a quarterback catch and throw like a hitch, and all of a sudden it's pick six. You're like, what the hell happened? What was he looking at? What probably happened is he thought it was man to man, thought he had an easy pitch and catch out to a receiver, and the corner, like Clark Phillips at Utah, did a really good job of this consistently. He would jump the route and just guess because he has help over the top. He has deep safeties over the top right. behind him, so he doesn't have to worry about getting beat deep. So now we can make it look like he's supposed to be deep jump it right before the throw and pick it off and take it pick six. That's when you see so many of these pick sixes happen and guys get really good and crafty at that. Like Richard Sherman used to do really, a really good job of that. Um, so that's just, anytime you see that chances are they were probably in cover two and they didn't have to worry about taking that risk and guessing like Trayvon Diggs always guesses in man to man and gets beat on double moves. But if it's cover two and he guesses, 
doesn't have to worry about getting beat deep because there's someone behind him who's helping him. Sure. Um, so then okay. another variation. This you have is questions Tampa here? too. No, this I'm I'm Tampa good. Too. I'm following. So this is Tampa too. Okay, so to combat with the NFL. Uh, and this did start in the NFL with Tampa Bay Bucks, hence Tampa too. Um, <clears throat> what what they figured out was we like cover two, but the middle of the field we're getting exposed, right? And and it's really putting our safeties in a tough spot. And as football changed from having like stiff, not as fast linebackers that are just run stoppers, okay, like Dick Buckus, you're talking about those guys. And as it translated into like, you know, Fred Warner and like Bobby Wagner and, you know, athletes at the linebacker position, Patrick Queen, um, now those guys are asked to cover more. And so Tampa too, basically everything's the same except the linebacker is responsible for the deep middle of the field. So right on the ball snap, He's bailing into that middle of the field that vacancy that Ole Miss took advantage of in the video. And he's just running straight deep right behind him. And now, now you have two high safeties that are on the deep halves. You have your line, inside linebacker who's now in the middle of the field. And then you have the corner still aggressive on the short side halves of the field. And so <clears throat> this is called Tampa 2. And this is, again, disguised. A lot of times they'll make it look like this linebacker is about to blitz. And then when the ball snapped, he's bailing ass straight back into the middle of the field. And this allows for some interceptions as well because you don't see him doing that. Now, what's crazy is there's times where, like, teams are getting so advanced they'll drop, like, Aiden Hutchinson back into coverage. And it'll be a linebacker blitzing to replace him. And now Hutchinson's the one dropping into zone areas, which is why you saw him get a couple picks this year, right? Yeah, which I mean, is just insane as, to think about. Right. Well, as soon as they – I think they recognized, okay, Hutch, like, you're an athletic freak. Let's stand yeah. you up let you see the entire field and kind of use you as like a linebacker, like it kind of like Micah Parsons, right? Where like dude, at times he's a linebacker and at times he's an edge rusher and you don't know what he's going to be any given play. It's tricky, man. It's really, really tricky. And like I said, as offenses get more complex, defenses have to keep up and it is a constant evolution of the game of football, which just continues to make the sport better and continues to make it more of a head game chess match. And Tampa two you know, when it was originally you created, it was like, yeah, this is awesome. But then offenses started to pick that apart. And it's like, okay, well, what do we do differently? How about we drop right. our defensive end in the coverage instead and drop him <laughs> into the curl flat area? Um, it, it's right. just become really, really cool. But you could also do inverted two, which we don't have a slide for anything, but inverted cover two. Basically, the corners are responsible for the deep halves, and now the safeties will fly down, and they'll play the short parts Got of the it. halves. So it's just they just switch responsibility. <clears throat> but the same zones are taken care of. But this is zone defense. This is the versus zone. This is the first zone clip we've shown. There's man to man, cover zero and cover one. Okay, where you're chasing guys. In zone, they're not chasing guys. They're responsible for an area of the field, and that's their job. Okay, moving on to cover four, and I'll zoom in on this one. So, <clears throat> cover four, similar to cover two, will have two high safeties. It will look a lot like cover two pre snap, which makes it tricky for quarterbacks. <clears throat> but basically, now you're just responsible for your deep quarter of the field. Are you basically? So that's what I was going to say. Is essentially you're making the cornerbacks uh, responsible for those deep sides. Then what? The linebackers. So let's say you do have a running back or whatever splitting out to these more shallow parts of the field. Then the linebackers yeah. become responsible for hitting those. So like, yeah, speed. Okay, go go for it. Just to kind of elaborate before I I. My, exactly. My so thing. the linebackers are, you're exactly right. The linebackers are responsible for the underneath stuff. Okay. The quick stuff, the quick, easy stuff. And then the corners and the safeties are responsible for literally 25, they're 25% of the field. Hence cover four, hence quarters, 
you know, a lot of different slang for it, <clears throat> but yeah, essentially in a nutshell, that's what it is. Cool. And then like, to me, this is why we drafted Jack Gamble. Cause if you watch his, his Iowa film is that like running backs trying to get to these shallow parts of the field, like he does not miss tackles in that situation. Right. And again, right. like Aaron Glenn's defense is set up where it's like defensive back by committee. You know what I mean? Like it's, you don't see a ton of like structure around the fact that like, Oh, you're for sure playing corner and you're a corner in this defense. And that's all you're doing. Right. You saw what Kirby Joseph did. You saw why we drafted CJ Gardner Johnson. You even see what Mosley and Sutton do. All of these guys can play safety looks. They can play nickel looks. They can play corner looks. Right. What that does is that now we have that situation. We're only running two linebackers and their roles are probably going to be pretty specifically defined, which is going to be stuffing the run. And then like these more shallow parts of the field. Um, and so like just thinking personnel wise, right. Like, to me, and I, I have no clue if Aaron Glenn likes cover four or not. But to me, I look at this, I think Lions personnel, I this to me makes a lot of sense for something the Lions to potentially be running a lot more next year. Am I correct in assuming that? Yeah, and probably and variations of, you know, where I'll give you an I'll and I'll combat right your example of Jack Campbell. You're exactly right. He would he thrives in this kind of thing. Now, where Jack Campbell might not thrive, Tampa too. Right, right, where he has to get his ass as they actually back, drop back. Yeah. Right, so there's there's flaws to him being a little bit stiff and not as fluent. But in stuff like this, like short open field tackles, that's what he does. But you ask him to, you know, run with a um, guy as fast as Tyreek Hill up the middle of the field, he's not doing that. So there's not many guys that can. But Jack Campbell wouldn't be top 30, 40 on the list of guys that would even be close. Right. So that's just different personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, different things are trying to do. But that's cover four in a nutshell. And that's a good, yeah, that's a good example. Like the Lions, you know, and their personnel, why they're building building pieces around certain guys. Are they going to use more nickels guys? Are they going to bring in a dime guy? Like are gonna are they gonna do stuff like that? And that's why we have so many safety players that can play like that hybrid Nickel. between a linebacker yeah. and like uh, a Brian Branch, right? Like especially you got you got you got CJ Gardner Johnson who's a vet there and Sutton who's a vet yeah. kind of doing those all those things. guys can do that. Yeah. yeah, and Brian Branch is going to develop under some of the best in the league at playing kind of like that nickel, you know, position. Gotcha. And he's going to probably be a stud nickel, you know, in a year or two. So, yeah. Um, all right, cover six. This one, I think you've officially lost me at, but maybe it's not as complicated as I'm looking <laughs> I'm going to blow your mind, John. It's not <laughs> as complicated, okay? So what's four plus two? Uh, six. <laughs> okay, so there you go. It's just four and two on halves of the field. So okay. on one half of the field, you're playing cover four, okay, where your corner's responsible for 25%, safety responsible for deep, <clears throat> deep 25%, and then that linebacker or that Sam or whoever that is will get to the flat. On the other side, you're playing cover two. So the corner is flat, probably going to make it look like he's playing, like, you know, he'll bail or something, make it look like it's man-to-man, and then he's going to be really aggressive and try to jam that receiver up and, and disrupt now, any timing. Do you only play this to – a strong side, right? Like, are you only Correct. playing cover typically, two to the strong side every time? Typically, typically, you will play that cover two to like the the short side of the field. Okay. So if you're on a hash, you're probably going to play this on the short side of the field. Now I'm going to blow your mind even more. Um, a lot of the time, that why they'll do this, right, is because obviously one side of the field's wider, okay, and so there's a lot more room to work. So they'll they'll have more guys over there to be able to kind of space that out, and it's less risky. This cover two side, they like to, this is like a trap. Okay, they'll call this like trap on the short side. 
They want to make it look like it's an easy pitch and catch to these short receivers. But this will and this corner are extremely aggressive and will guess. So if they try to throw like a quick slant, a lot of time you'll see these corners beating the receiver to the spot. You remember the Super Bowl, the Colts against the Saints when the Saints won? I'm sure you can never forget as a Saints fan where they That's jumped nice. Peyton Manning's in. They jumped yeah. that slant route, pick six right. to win the game, Tracy Porter. Yeah. He jumped that, and that was actually cover one, but he jumped that because he had help over the top. And it was, and he studied film, but that's just an example of like in cover six, it happens more often. And so my, my other question too, is like, this is like, you know, let's say Justin Jefferson's on the short side of the field here. Like this is where you're putting your best man corner to go and handle that situation. Correct. And then like the rest of it's more of kind of his own look basically. Correct. And, and not, right. not necessarily your best man corner. Cause he's not, that corner is not responsible for a man to man. He's in his zone. He's got that flat area. Okay, but you might you. put like a physical guy who's good at like getting his hands on you. And and like you might put like a Jalen Ramsey guy, right? Because he's sure. big, he's strong. You might put like um like a Kelly Ringo guy from Georgia who's big and strong. Someone that looks like that or like an Xavier Rhodes. And he'll just beat that guy up and make it hard for him to get open. And then the other side, you might put your better coverage guys because they have, you know, they're actually covering. This guy's trapping. He's trying to you know, jump a bubble route, pick six it. He's trying to be aggressive and get okay. his hands on. And then the safety over the half, because that's a shorter, smaller side of the field, it's easier for him to take that half than it is for him to take the half of the wide field, which is why yeah. you have that split into quarters. <clears throat> Does that make sense to you? Yes. I, I think like where my confusion was is so like, this is like, this is still a pure zone look basically. Still like, nope. pure zone. It's okay. just different. It's not symmetrical. It's different zone on different yeah. sides of the field. So that's yeah. where the cover six comes from. And one thing too, this is just like an extra piece again, like advanced stuff. Like this doesn't have to do with the coverage, the corner on this. Can you think of another reason? I'll ask you this and you, and you probably won't know, but I'll get you a guess. Can you think of a reason why they'd want to do the cover two with that corner aggressive on the smaller side of the field, the shorter side of the field? Why they'd want to do a cover two, the corner on the short side of the field. Can you think of another benefit of that? It's this is like next level stuff that I do not expect you to know. Sure. But I'm, hold on. Let me think it through. Well, because like like you said, like this entire lane has a lot more like guys in one area right mm -hmm. okay because i feel like like isn't it if let's say you're you're on the one hash and there's a lot more field like this is a lot harder for a quarterback to make throws in this direction right yeah so am i yeah. am i am i hot like am i in the right direction yeah. with it okay you are I, that's as far as right i can track. get i think okay. you're on the right track so yeah so because there's more room and the, and the ball will typically take a longer time to get there because he's throwing it from one hash all the way out to the other side a lot of the time. Right. The reason that they do it on the short side typically is also because they'll they'll sneak attack the quarterback with the corner. So you'll see these defensive backs blitzing a lot of the time. And we were like, how the hell did he get there so fast? It's because he was cheating, 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 making it look like it was cover two or man to man. And then right when the ball snapped, he blindly blitzes like a bat out of hell from his corner spot okay. all the way, direct angle. Which is the, the last guy that a offensive lineman will If I'm if play. I'm sitting there playing tackle and all of a sudden I see a quarter run exactly. by me, I'm like, oh shit. It's amazing. <laughs> There's times that they pick it up and call it out free snap. We we so as a receiver in college, if I was That's the so receiver, if I if I had that corner, and I'm serious, this is like next level shit. Like you would not know this unless you were like I didn't know this until I got into college. If you're you're pressed, right, and you're right. In, and you're scouting as a receiver, you're looking at the defense just like the quarterback is. You're looking at the secondary, right. trying to figure shit out. 
and that corner's eyes keep going inside and then back onto you and then inside again, you you yell to the quarterback, cat, 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 right? Cat alerts him and says, this guy might blitz. Something fishy's happening. I don't know right. why he's not looking at me. And what they'll do is they'll auto alert check. And what they'll do is this corner will blitz and you'll throw the ball over his head right to the receiver. Because think about oh, it. Because gotcha. then that no safety, that safety or that deep. will is to crash down. Yes. And, sit, yep. and they just, okay. they'll pitch and catch it and they'll hope that you make a guy miss. <clears throat> and then you'll basically gain a cheap, easy 12, 15 yards because you're, and again, that's the chess match. If you don't recognize that, that, that quarterback, a lot of the right-handed ones. Okay. Their back is faced to that corner and they're that's reading so the a big, right. So and teams get really, really good at it. Um, but yeah, that's like next level shit. So this okay. is this is cover we got, three. We got one, time. yeah. So one last last one to cover here. Cover three. Okay. So cover three. I'm assuming right. You with two, you're splitting it in half. With four, you're splitting into quarters. As I'm seeing by these blue bubbles here, right? Cover three. You're splitting it into thirds. Then exactly. Okay. Exactly. So yeah, cover three. You're splitting the field into thirds. You have three guys responsible for the deep thirds of the field. You're breaking the field into thirds. So, that, um, so corners, now you have a middle of the field safety then. Correct. So now, yes, okay. you're back to middle of the field closed. You're back to one guy in the middle, similar to like cover one, right? This looks a lot like cover one. Now, one of the telltale signs that isn't cover one is when the cornerbacks, as you can see in this picture, have their ass to the sideline. That's mm. weird, right? Like that doesn't like, like that's tough to play man to man with your butt facing the sideline like that. Sure. What they're doing is they're keeping, they're trying to keep everything inside of them. So a lot of the time, like in man to man, you're inside leverage of the receiver, trying not to let him inside of you. In cover three, you're outside of them, trying to keep everything. Because if this it, receiver gets everything. outside, and if this receiver gets outside, and you have this guy in the middle of the, you don't have any help. Like exactly. you're screwed. Like he gets exactly. to the hatches, he catches the ball, exactly. at like the forty yard line is gone. Got it. Exactly, your help is in the middle of the field, right? Sure. So you're trying to force everything into the middle of the field, into the linebackers, into the shit. And you also, when you play this technique, it allows you to do what they call a bail technique, which is basically right when the ball snapped, you already start bailing deep and just kind of watching shit develop underneath you because you have all your help underneath you. And this is where it's tough for quarterbacks because it takes a second for stuff to develop against this, right? Mm. A lot of times they'll try, like the weak spots in this will be like the curl area, like 12 yard curl outside because the corner's deep, the safety's deep. And if the linebacker doesn't get underneath that curl, it's an easy pitch and catch. And then again, like in cover one, those seams, right? So if you do four verts against cover three, you run four vertical routes, right? Someone's going to be open because the middle high safety has to take away one of those thirds. He'll pick the two corners are going to take away the deep thirds. Now, which seam is open, right? Whoever that safety doesn't go to, Got it. one of those teams is open. And if you space the field correctly, it's very hard to cover. And so quick shout out to uh, Brett Coleman to probably, you know, this man knows ball. If you're trying to graduate from this introductory coverage talk, uh, Brett's YouTube channel is a pretty good place for some, some film. Um, so, okay. So this is a common coverage versus three by one set called three week, meaning the free safety rotates down to the weak apex spot in cover three. Typically with the running back releasing fast to the flat, the defense will make a push call to have Buddha in the sense Buddha uh, Baker. Push, um, similar to like knock, right? But it's more of just sure. like a slide. It's not, because it's not man to man. But this is, uh, yeah, this is a variation of cover three. So, so wait, hold on. So is this Buddha right here? No, the uh, Buddha is down right by the Cardinals logo. Okay, and, right here. Got it. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay, just making sure I'm catching the right guy before I watch mm -hmm. this develop. Sorry, it's the it's we're going slow here. My bad. No, it's but... good. It's good to go slow because it allows you to see everything. So again, right. they motion, and because no one fouled the motion, Josh Allen right. knows it's it's not man. Okay, guys in the middle of the field, so Josh is thinking, okay, it's not. So man. Why is what this else? safety bailing further back? Because just... he's got the he's deep third. Okay, got it. And they're trying to disguise it as cover one. And so it. So know, does that mean when this play starts, is is he going to start crashing back? closer to it or no um he'll he'll stay he can he, he has work he can but a lot of the time he'll stay like right there uh okay. again he's just got big vision responsible deep third and depending on down and distance he may be more aggressive so now notice he turns and opens the opposite way right which mm -hmm. josh allen so <clears throat> if you go back to just that part of the clip john the safety that's where josh quarterbacks are reading the safeties because the safe it's hard to lie the safeties what they're taught quarterbacks are taught it's hard for safeties to lie corners will lie all the time right so because they have more ground to cover so he goes over to the field side right and now josh allen turns his head to the left he's looking at the left side of the field he thinks he has a good matchup tries to fit in a tight window never sees patrick peterson who's one of the best at doing this leave his zone actually and like Patrick Peterson is squeezing, see how he's squeezing it? Cause he has no immediate threat in his third. So he's sure. squeezing into his middle safety's third, which he should not do, but because he's just a ball player and he's just probably seen this on film. And because he's a freak athlete, he's able to do it. Got and it. he guesses and, and Josh Allen <laughs> never saw him cause he saw his cover three thought he had a chance, but what he didn't realize is that corner was coming out of his zone into the other guy's zone to pick it off. So that's, you know, some of the perks of cover three is that you have your defensive backs have big vision because their butts are to the sideline. They can see the quarterback. They can see the routes. They can see everything developing. Gives you more freedom to do stuff like that, what Peterson just Got did. It. But, like, well, the downfall is the weaknesses. Um, you know, co comment and a question here before we wrap up. Comment is, thanks for walking us through that. I appreciate it. I can uh, enjoy football, watching football in a way that I've never enjoyed watching football before, which is, knowing what the hell is going on with the coverages uh, while I'm watching the play develop, which is a lot of fun. Second, as a receiver, what were your kind of favorite coverages to match up against? What did you feel like you had the most freedom or the most ability to kind of make plays against? Uh, I know it's obviously a very loaded question because it's incredibly situational, but was there anywhere you're like, oh, like X situation's going on, I got this. Like this, you know, I can, I can do um, my job here. I loved a few things. I, I liked when the middle of the field was open more. So I liked seeing like, you know, like I liked seeing cover two or man to man um, or like cover zero uh, just because there was, there's no, there's no one in the middle of the field. Right. And I was like a slot receiver. So I was always kind of lined up on safeties and I loved it because safeties are um, usually a little bit bigger and not as great coverage wise as corners. So I was able to use my shiftiness and, and, and manipulate them to think I was going one way across their face and there's no help in the middle of the field. And usually allows for big plays if you're able to run a good route against that. And then anytime we were close to the end zone, dude, I, I would just lick my chops if we, I saw man to man because it's me against this guy. And I'm not, now I'm not, when I see it's man to man, I mean, man to man is man to man. It's pretty like, Okay, especially when we're close to scoring, it's like, all right, throw all of the thinking out technique time. Who's got right. better technique? Just who's gonna, who's gonna, yeah, who's gonna just win this one on one matchup, right? And that's what man to man is. It's I'm betting on me, and you, your defensive schemed coach is betting on his guy to lock me up and not let me get open. And at that point, it's just like, okay, now it's it's my time to show what I can do. It's not about there's no scheme anymore. This is just let's play, right? Right. 
Um, so I loved that because that was always a challenge. And if you get lined up against good guys, it's always an opportunity to try to, you know, get a good release on them, get their hands off you and, and go up and make a play. Plus in man-to-man, it just allowed me to use like neutral ball tactics. Like I, I, I wouldn't always create a ton of separation, but if the ball was up in the air and it was just me and one, one other defender, I'm coming down with the ball. Like I, it's, if the ball's in the air, it's mine. 80% of the time sure. it's mine. Sure. Um, so that was kind of what I loved as a receiver was that challenge. Um, but, you know, for me, having like the the football coaching background and being raised by a coach and all this stuff, like I loved being a slot receiver because <clears throat> I'd also be in motion a lot. And I would just I would read the defense just like the quarterback was before the right. ball even snapped. And I would know, OK, I'm not getting the ball in this play, but I know who is or, hey, it's coming to me. You know, let's let's make a play here. Right. Before yeah. the ball's even snapped, I would a lot of the time I would know. So that's. Yeah. That was always cool too, being a slot receiver. Oh, that's that's very cool. Um, yeah, I I super appreciate this, and also I think uh, you know it probably won't be next episode of just dense film talk, but um, you know some of the episodes that we're going to be doing here soon. Hopefully, we can do some trenches stuff too. I have a little bit more to contribute. That's that's definitely a lot more of my wheelhouse. Um, and you know, similar to how you know things have continued to develop in the NFL, and it's just ever evolving all the time. Um exact same thing going on with the trenches. I mean, the things that they are asking offensive linemen to do now are absolutely insane. And they, I mean, you are watching 300 pound men like move incredibly quickly, uh, fill, you know, full of athleticism, all that stuff. So it's, it's definitely the uh, game just keeps changing, John. And and like, yeah, I mean, listen, big, the big guys deserve love too. And we'll for sure. And we've done some film breakdowns like on the Eagles RPO games and there's no read. And I mean, honestly, go check our profile if you haven't, guys, like if you're listening to this. There's a lot of film breakdown. There's a lot of just like opinion based stuff as well. But we're going to try to do more film stuff because we love doing it. Um, but there is some stuff out there that we've already shared. And I mean, go check out our stuff. I mean, we, we we're doing all kinds of different yeah. things. That's what we socials we are below. I put the ticker on before uh, we got rolling. Yes. And, and and, you know, like, hey, again, can't think of a better time to do this kind of stuff than during the off season, obviously. Like it's a lot more like current events, game analysis, stuff like that and the, and the in season, but we can take a step back and actually just talk X's and O's, which is also a lot of fun. So you're getting a lot of variety, right? Like we'll, we'll put on our pundit hat sometimes, but you know, also it's, it's fun to, to watch some film. So we appreciate everybody watching and uh, we will see you guys next week. We'll see you guys. Peace.